The Big Beat manifesto goes, Big Beats are the best, get high all the time. Right. At the time, it felt like a much more all-encompassing philosophy. This is contagious. Yeah. This is outrageous. This is Hey everybody, welcome to the El Dude Brothers podcast, episode 59, Gregory's Beard. My name is Sean, and I've never texted a woman a million times in a month. And my name's Laura, and Sean, you know that's complete bullshit, I've still got the text messages. <laughs> <laughs> and we also... How are you? Oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. We are also joined by our special guest, Michael, from Australia. Hello, Michael. Hi, everyone. Hey, how you going? Oh, we're doing good. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm, I'm fine. It's uh, freezing cold here in our nation capital. Um, and on my way home from work, I dropped my phone and it smashed. Um, that's the worst. Have you got yep. any children, Michael? No, I don't. I, this, see this as preparation for having children because <laughs> I've had my phone screen has been smashed so many times that now I'm not even getting it replaced anymore. Like it's going to have to be, I, I, if I can't read it, I'll get it replaced. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm not going to have any children because, as Jeremy would say, I'm a guy who's a gay guy, which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay, or, fair enough. Or is he? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to tell her that, but uh, I didn't want to uh, ruin the surprise. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's good to know. Uh, hopefully you'll have some insights into uh, Jesse's gayness in this episode then. Mm, we'll see. It's really funny, Laura, because... <laughs> Michael, I said that exact same thing, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. That's the, the sort of thing straight people say to you all the time, I I'm an expert. <laughs> like, do you know, like, you know, every other gay guy in the world? Like, my yeah. cousin's gay. Do you know him by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also Australian, so it's like, oh, yeah, my friend lives in Australia. Do you know her? Yeah. Do you know Keelan? <laughs> I'm assuming you know Keelan, right? You guys are probably besties. <laughs> Yeah, Keelan was from Perth, wasn't he? Uh, I believe so. Yes, I think he was. Yeah, because I... So I've not done it to you, Michael, but I'm going to do it now. Uh, the boring thing of that I've got family in Australia, so the first thing I normally say is, oh, I've got family in Australia, uh, but they're nowhere near you, so... <laughs> where are they? In, they're in New South Wales. Well, where are they? New South Wales. Well, that's a big state. Anywhere... <laughs> can, you, can you narrow it down? Uh, no, I don't. I don't know. I've never been there. That's okay. It's, it's quite near Sydney. I know that. It's like half an hour outside of Sydney. The Australian Capital Territory is a three-hour drive from Sydney. Okay. Yeah. Don't know then. There you go. Yeah. My 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 husband's geography teacher, but I am not. So yeah. <laughs> I may know them. You never know. Until I started doing no. this podcast, I didn't even realize that Australia was large enough that it had multiple time zones in it. Yes, we do. Typical, and yeah. some states have daylight saving, and some don't. Oh, Jesus, oh, really? fuck. It's like it's America. really confusing. Yeah. Well, that's confusing. <laughs> I mean, like, really, especially for a Brit, like, really confusing because, you know, not very big. No time zones here. It's not a different time zone in Wales. <laughs> mm, yeah. Well, <laughs> so, Michael, how did you discover <laughs> Peep Show? Well, um, I, uh, I wonder whether I discovered that Mitchell and Webb, um, you know, um, uh, sketch 
what do you call it? Sketch comedy series. Before. Mitchell and Webb look. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's the one. Mitchell and Webb look, and then Mitchell and Webb sound, um, the radio show. Um, I didn't start watching Peep Show till I was too old to really start watching it. You know what I mean? Like, it, I didn't watch it as a student when I think you I would have grown up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only, se- you know, this last season is the only one I watched, um, you know, on time, in time. Oh, okay. So right, that's okay. a similar experience that I had. Yeah, maybe it wasn't famous here at the time. I don't know. Is it Our Mitchell and Webb No there? Yes, I'd say so. Oh. I, I went to a peep show. Um, Sam, my partner, was very kind and took me to a peep show um trivia night at a pub here it was mainly students there so you could you could see it's it's got a cult following amongst the students now right okay Uh, um, that makes sense kind of similar to here really because it's not like mitchell and Webb are well known in the mainstream but i wouldn't say that peep show was like a mainstream oh everyone's seen it sort of situation yeah i think well sam my partner he he knows it from you know he he knew it from memes and he knew it from he knew mitchell uh david mitchell because he's on all the um you know, we get all those British panel shows. We get QI and all those things. QI, and, yeah. Uh, Would I lie to you? And all those things that he's on all the time. He's so funny on Would I Lie to You. Yeah, he's great. Uh, okay, so so you so you like Sean says you had a similar experience of that you watched this season in real time. Yes. Yes. And was it broadcast over there, or did you have to watch it through nefarious means? No, I had to somehow watch it on the Channel Four. What's it called? 4OD thing. All the chat, four, sorry, I've got the right channel. Yeah, all four of that. Yeah. And did you like that first episode when it came out? Were you, like, presumably you'd seen the, the seasons and you were excited for the final season to come out? And were you happy with what you saw in the William Morris years? Or did you think... I was worried. I was worried because I thought, oh, this is a, a show coming back after a really long time. And I, I hope it's not going to be too zany. Because that episode was a little bit zany. You know, with dragging him. Zany, that's yeah. true, yeah. Because I thought, like, Absolutely Fabulous, for example, was, you know, great right. three seasons, and then the last, it just went on too long, and it was just stupid. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. So uh, I, can, I, can see, I can see that fear. I can see, mm-hmm. yeah, why, why that worry would come about. And I think that my husband may maybe expressed similar worries. He's more, if it's possible, he's more cynical than me and less of a Peep Show <laughs> fan. So he's kind of more... Um, like was bit, probably more objective and he was a little bit like oh has this gone stupid yes and i would have been very personally assault insulted if if peep show had gone bad in this season because i mm. you know i loved it so much in the, the 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 first ones and and i just and and he's just the the, the character of mark i i i identified so much with when i i had a relationship where it was just going much like him and sophie where I just was too chicken to, um, you know, get out of it um, and was just hoping for something terrible to happen so that I didn't have to get out of it myself. <laughs> I really identify with this guy. All um, been there, my friend. Yeah, all been there. there. <laughs> I'm sure everyone identifies with him, but I thought, yeah, this is speaking to me specifically, you know, as an angst-ridden whatever, 20-something. I was actually really looking forward to this episode because the Dobby storyline was the main one that I was wanting resolution to at the time. So when I heard that this was going to be kind of the... Dobby episode I was really excited uh so in our house quite a different reaction we were both like oh fucking Dobby again and then we're like looking on IMDB to see if she was going to be in the rest of the episodes and when she wasn't we're relieved (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I I like Dobby I know you don't um and I like uh that um Olivia Coleman is in is is at least in this season um and she was 
you know, obviously yeah, because she, she was completely missing. outgrew uh, Peep Show by this stage. Like, yeah, she was like, not. I mean, he's... don't think she's in seven or eight, is she? No, I don't think so. She's no. She, no she's in. Know. Um, she's in seven because she's at the um, New Year's Eve party. Ah, uh, of course, but she doesn't appear at all in eight. She's merely spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, good Jeff to... takes the baby to her in that. Yeah. That's it. That yeah. she's mentioned. Yeah. You guys ready to get into the episode? Or yeah, let's dive <laughs> yep. in. Okay. All right. I got to go back to sleep just to set <laughs> just to set this up for people. It is three. 45 a.m. in America. It is 9.45 for Laura in England. She's gotten to sleep in. Nice, normal day for her. I did not sleep in, though, did I, Sean? Because someone told me the wrong time, so I got up at the arse crack of dawn. Hey, you're you're blaming me for, for <laughs> shit you should have clarified. <laughs> I texted you last night to say, 8 o'clock is still all right, Sean. Yeah, I woke up to, like, frantic missed calls on my phone. I was like, the fuck is going on here? <laughs> All right, so we kick this episode off with uh, Mark, and he is in his flat on his computer, and he is looking at a website, and he's thinking, oh my god, it's Dobby's ominous floating, hovering yellow head. I'm not about to masturbate to it. Uh, she went to the same noodle bar she went to yesterday and Tuesday. Yeah, he's looking on his Find My Friends, which she's not deleted him from, and he is... Uh, Stalking us, basically. Up, oh, Sadie. Shush. Is this a Sadie real? Be here if you were quiet. I I feel like this this is not a real app and probably like a really scary thing if this was real. What the find my friends thing? Yeah. So it is a thing, but th- I've got a point to make about this, which is that I'm I've, I've got find my friends. I have my husband on find my friends. I have my mum and my sister on find my friends. But you know who's following you on Find My Friends. So Dobby would have just deleted him. Yeah, it, it, it reminds you all the time. Have you forgotten that so-and-so and these people are can see your location at all times? Like, it keeps reminding you so you don't forget. Yeah. No, exactly. So there's no way that she'd be, you know, six months plus after their relationship had ended that she would be still allowing him to know her location, I don't think. Yeah. I. This See, shit like this just scares me. Cause like I don't I don't need people to know where I am twenty four seven, but for me it would just be work and home. So I'm not I don't live in an interesting city like New York. It's really weird. So it's like the way children are growing up with technology now. My eldest daughter thinks that because I know where, because me and her, her dad know where each other are and find my friends. She thinks that you have access to everyone like in the world on it. <laughs> so if we're meeting a friend. Mm. And they're late. She'll be like, "Oh, look them up on the map." And she like, it's so weird that that technology at four years old, she already is like familiar with that idea and thinks that it's a police state. <laughs> <laughs> Mark starts to kind of, or at this point, Jeremy walks in and he mentions that he is really cold. And Mark tells him to wear a sweater and walk about the flat. And Jeremy just says, "You want me to stride about the flat covered in wool simply to stay alive?" And then he realizes that Mark is stalking Dobby on Find My Friend. And Mark starts to kind of, excuse me, Jeremy starts to tell him that this is his perfect relationship, safe in your sexual GCHQ. And Mark just says it. He wants to get an idea of her mental state. Yeah, he says that um, Dobby's been to an organic bakery twice this week and or three times this week because she's there today. And he's been checking their Twitter and the carrot cake just ran out and the same thing happened when she was in the other day 
and he's not saying that she eats a whole carrot cake every time she goes in, but you have to say that it's interesting. <laughs> and uh, Jeremy thinks not so much. Her just... mental state. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just have this crazy vision of a of a bakery just tweeting out like, hey, sorry guys, we don't have any more carrot cake. That's what a real hipster bakery would Oh, do. I totally believe that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's very, yeah. That's very plausible. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you have any hipster bakeries in your area? Oh, uh, yeah. This is a really um, hipster part of Canberra. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, Canberra's not very big, and the hipster area is very highly concentrated. Um, but, oh, yeah, we got a roundabout, which is, you know, a, a, what, do you call it, what do you call it in America? A traffic circle? A roundabout. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the, the American voice on my GPS calls it a traffic circle. That's got a big uh, gay rainbow on it, which is great. So that it's around there. That's the hipster area. Ah, okay. I'm gonna yeah. have to look this up on the map then. Um, and uh, oh yeah, there's people in there with typewriters and oh yeah. <laughs> sounds like um, sounds like Hackney. Hackney is our, our equivalent of that, I think. I really in this episode, it's really funny because I totally imagine that that's the area where Dobby lives. Oh yeah, Dobby definitely lives in in like the hippie part of town. Yeah. Which is yeah in New York, I could totally see her. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that when we get there. Uh, Jeremy just throws out the most reasonable idea ever, which is why don't you stop being a psycho and give her a call? And Mark mentions that she stopped answering his calls after he went overboard that time. And Jeremy just says, mm, "The million text month." And Mark thinks to himself, "Oh, you know, it's so unfair. It was only three hundred and twenty-seven." Which I don't know. I don't feel as 327 is like an unreasonable amount of text. No, I think I thought that at the time, which was that, okay, it's like slightly more than 10 a day, but it's not insane. I guess if she wasn't texting back at all, then that is insane. But, <laughs> yeah, that is a you little, know, yeah, I guess when you phrase it that way, Laura, it does sound fucking yeah. nuts. Yeah, but if she was, if they were having a conversation, that's, you know, not mad. Yeah. Um, Jeremy tries to take the, um, like a little space heater out and Mark just pretty much tells him no, like it uses electricity, like fuck off. Uh, he says it's only seven hours until the central heating comes back on. So he's going to lock the heater in the cupboard, which <laughs> is ridiculous. I don't understand British heating, but whinging about it appears to be a, um, a favorite pastime of the British race. Am I right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know, I know that Mark is, is trying to save money, but central heating I don't know, like maybe I'm just coming at this from a really privileged angle, but like he has a job and I, I would say my husband's pretty frugal. He would never tell me not to put the central heat in on in the winter. And also if the alternative is a fan heater, as Mark makes the point, they eat up electricity. So just let him put the fucking heating on. It's freezing. It, it, it would be freezing in that flat in winter. But is it even fucking winter? I don't know. I don't know if it's winter. That is unclear. I mean, because they're like... They're, like, walking around the countryside in, like, light jackets. That's true, yeah. yeah. So maybe Jeremy's just being a wimp. Yeah. Uh, the place where I work on the weekends, we keep our store inside at, like, 68 degrees Fahrenheit, which I have no idea what that is in Celsius. And I just am so fucking cold. I have to wear a sweater to my job in a Kansas summer where it's, like, 99 degrees with, like, 30% humidity and I'm wearing a sweater. That's 20 that's, that's cold, yeah, that yeah. is that is chilly. It's fucking absurd. Um, 
<laughs> so we get to our next scene and we are in Megan, the barmaid from the prior episode and a big character going forward. Uh, we are at her house and Jeremy is life coaching the fuck out of her. Megan says it's great that he makes house calls and Jeremy says, I find it makes for a more conducive life coaching environment that you at my place, my socks on the radiator and me sitting on a bongo. And Megan says that she's done some more art boxes and Jeremy, uh, of course, because he is hanging out with a woman, he starts to fall in love with her. The art yeah. box. What are art boxes like? I mean, we never know. Do we never find out what even that means? Do we? No, I assume I've sort of in my head. I've kind of assumed that she's making like craft boxes. For it reminds me of the. You people. remember the masks? Someone was making masks at <laughs> yeah, at a center or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Whatever that was. <laughs> Maybe she's at the center making the art boxes with uh, with the girl that was making the masks. Uh, I can't believe I can't remember what her name is. <laughs> no, I can't remember her name. Maybe her name is never known. Yeah, uh, that's what I assume too. Yeah. Uh, he is, Jeremy is much like I was there, just wondering what the hell people are talking about. Um, and he says he needs to give her a really useful bit of hand, actual handcrafted wisdom. And then he sees that she has the Watchmen DVD. And this really cracked me up because Watchmen was one of the first movies I ever took my wife to. And she fucking hated it, and I was really embarrassed. What? What is it? I don't know what it is. <laughs> a comic book that came out in the '80s, and it f focuses on kind of like a more realistic look at uh, superheroes. And it's it was long time considered to be unadaptable. Like it was just so long, and there was just so much to it that you know it was considered like impossible to turn it into a movie. And um, I believe it's Zack Snyder ended up turning it into a movie and the theatrical cut was not received that well but then they released like a four-hour director's edition that is much more faithful to the comic book wow sounds like that's boot all over again <laughs> <laughs> um at this point a a guy dips in and he says oh uh Okay, I'll hide out in the bedroom, and we find out that this is Joe, Megan's boyfriend. And Jeremy says, or thinks to himself that there's an atmosphere, he's eyeing me, but he can't work out quite what's going on. Um, thinks maybe the guy wants to fight him, <laughs> and he uh, he's sort of confused by this, and Megan says to her boyfriend that Jeremy was just saying that she should quit her job and concentrate 100% on the art boxes. And Jeremy thinks, oh, fucking hell, did I? Um, and Joe says in what I take to be quite a sarcastic tone that that's a that's a big one. I took this more as like, oh my god, what the fuck is this? What the fuck is this guy telling you to do? Like Jesus Christ, we'll never be able to afford this place. Yeah, yeah, he is clearly skeptical about that. Um, he then calls Jeremy a wise old guru, and Jeremy says in the sort of tone that your uncle might use, less of the old young man. I love this too, where he's like, I'm still young enough to give you a bloody good duffing up and <laughs> he just seems so confused in this uh at this point in time it's very funny yeah and yeah. obviously before what happens happens i remember being a bit like confused by this i was like why is he talking about fighting a guy like did you both feel that way or did you see this this gay episode coming uh it's a it's a <laughs> fucking fighting dichotomy uh and he doesn't know which he wants well he works it out later there's are there are there well i was going to say daddy issues but it's the opposite of that 
because he's the older one. There's definitely sexual tension, but it's unidentified at this <laughs> point, you know. Yeah, I just remember being slightly confused by this at the time, but that's I suppose that's fine because Jeremy's also slightly confused. Well, uh, we go to the next scene. We have Mark and Superhands, which, as Laura knows, is one of my favorite pairings of two characters. Uh, Michael, do you have a favorite pairing of characters? Oh, that's a good question. Um, it's weird, isn't it, Superhands and Mark here? Which is why um, I love it, because yeah. they're just so opposite each other. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's kind of like um, uh, there's always an episode in a sitcom where this happens, isn't it? Where the worlds collide, like Seinfeld, where uh, where George's wife and Elaine uh, become friends, and it just goes completely wrong. Um, <laughs> it's kind of a sitcom staple to kind of do this mash the, mash these two characters together that have that have. Well, I mean, whenever given power over Mark, Superhands has always taken total advantage, like. <laughs> Men yes. with men and That's true, in the bathrooms yeah. and fittings, um, and now it's suddenly I've got a, I've got a huge amount of respect for you. <laughs> when, <laughs> I you know, especially when you keep coming around. Yeah. <laughs> it really. It, I mean, I think this is really well done because everyone's got a situation where, particularly if you've got a friend who's quite unlike you, and I've got a friend like this, where we're we're good friends, but really shouldn't be. Like we don't have a huge amount in common. And therefore, when I have to mix with her other friends, it's all a bit weird. And if she, like I remember, I'm thinking of a particular occasion, like on her 21st birthday, where I got left with one of the other mates at a bar and we had nothing to say to each other. Like it was really awkward. <laughs> and you and you do end up having those sort of stilted conversations that you see Mark and Superhands have. We have uh, Superhands and he is, you know, being very nice to Mark and Mark is... Uh, you know, really confused about this. Uh, as Michael says, Superhands is telling Mark that he has a huge amount of respect for him. And when you Kip comes to round us all up, you'll be there. Won't you at the barricade saying no. And Mark is very confused at where Superhands is going. And Superhands just leads out and says, I need you to be the best man at my wedding. And Mark is like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. He says, what about Jez? And um, Superhands says that Molly hates him, but what Superhands really needs at this point is a norm. And he says, you, Mark, are a real meat and potato, straight up and down, beef wellington, don't trust the RGs, dick in the vagina, cheddar cheese, and chicken tikka masala, man. And Mark is baffled by this. Yeah, and he just says, thank you. Uh, <laughs> sure. Another, is a, a Falcon's War reference. There was a Falcon's War reference in the previous episode about, I'm going to regain the Falcons, and he takes his... Uh, uh, duvet back, Jeremy. Oh, says. there was, wasn't there? Maybe, maybe the writers were trying to trying to put in some sort of hidden message about their hatred for Thatcher, wasn't they? <laughs> and and also, um, there's a Falcons reference. Oh, when um when when uh, early on when um uh, Mark takes ecstasy and 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 Sophie's really impressed and he says, but if I'd fought at Goose Green, she wouldn't care. <laughs> Goose Green was a battle uh, of the Falcons yeah. war. So there's a lot of um 30 year old references <laughs> i guess maybe the... it's because it was like the big news story when the characters and the writers were growing up maybe yeah i think this was also around the time where uh jeremy clarkson was like causing an international incident in argentina no. wasn't it yes which uh, sam yeah, my been. partner claims is he's on the side thinking that it's it was a complete accident 
that it said FKL or whatever it did on the um, number plate. And I don't believe <laughs> I don't believe that it was an accident. So um, no, I am much... on team not accident because yeah, I'm on team not accident because Clarkson's a wang. <laughs> yeah, as I say, Clarkson's a big enough of a dickhead that I don't feel like this was uh, accidental. No. I also, I'm glad that you pointed that out because I had no idea what RGs were. Ah, uh, yes, Argentinians. That's not like, uh, I'm not like saying like the N-word, am I? No. Oh, well, well <laughs> it was what they called them in like the lowbrow press, wasn't it? Sorry. Yeah, that, tabloids, tabloid that, press. That, yeah. You know, initially Mark is like very turned off by this uh, idea of being Superhands' best man, but then he sees that Dobby is going. Uh, Superhands mentions that they've got a no smackheads, no crackheads rule, so <laughs> the long list is pretty short, which I'm glad they threw that part in because otherwise it would make zero sense why Dobby was coming to Hans's wedding. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, it's tenuous, isn't it, that she would be at the wedding? So as you say, thank God there's an explanation, otherwise I'd be most cross. Um, and then Mark says that he would like to come to the wedding without being the best man, Superhands says. I bet you would, you cheeky fucker. You're going to have to earn your rack of lamb. And Mark thinks, oh, strap on the cumberbund. <laughs> um, we then move to uh, uh, the next scene is, is in the flat um, with Jeremy and Mark sometime later on, we assume. And Jeremy is thinking that he needs to professionalise in his room, needs to put his certificate up, get a filing cabinet, but then have I got anything to file? And as he's thinking about this, he sees a thermometer come under the door, like, like sellotape to a long ruler. So creepy. So creepy. Um, and this makes me laugh because at school, um, in school, obviously we're highly unionised and one of the big union bugbears is temperature. And this is a standard thing you see in a school is the union rep coming around with a thermometer on a big stick to see <laughs> what the temperature is in bits of the rooms. Sounds like a distinctly British um, uh, issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and Jeremy thinks that what is going on is that a fucking thermometer. Mark's finally lost it. So he opens the door and sees Mark just crouching on the floor, taking a temperature reading. And Jeremy just says, oh, for fuck's sake. And uh, uh, Mark says that he's off to Fakenham. Fakenham, yeah. And, uh, you know, while he's gone, there's going to be no turning the central heating to constant. And you can tell Jeremy is a little bitter about Mark being Superhands' best man because he's like, so off you go, the best man, the single best man there is. You know, I haven't even been invited to the ceremony, just the reception. Yeah, Mark says that he only said he'd go because of Dobby because he's going to win her back. Um, he says he needs to get back to the good times. All the hours they spent on the sofa watching DVDs and eating takeaway lamb for Sander. And he says he's going to be the Mark Dobby always wanted. He goes to those spoken word poetry events where most of the poems are by women about the awesome power of the C-U-N-T, which uh, made my husband laugh a lot because when we first met, that was exactly the sort of thing I was doing with my evenings. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, next scene, we are at the Green Lawns Hotel and I'm annoyed because I did a ton of research trying to find this place. Can't fucking find any trace of it other than at one point there was a Green Lawns Hotel, but it's closed now. Uh, whereabouts was the one that you found info on? Uh, let me see here. 
It was... So I think it's called the Merchant Ho Merchant Manor Hotel and Spa now. And it is in Falmouth. Okay, so that's nowhere near where they're saying it is in the in the show. How weird they chose Norfolk. I mean, again, I'm saying I'm not 100% sure that this is the right place, but um, it appears to be on Google Maps. Ah, okay. Yeah, it is. I didn't even know this was a part of England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the bit. It's the bit that's sort of on the edge. So Mark is, uh, you know, trying to write a best man speech, and I was a best man for my friend Ben's wedding. And I had only known Ben like a really short time when he picked me to be his best man. And so I had a very similar situation like this where I was really? like, yeah, I, it was really weird. Um, like I had known this guy a little under a year and he was like, I'd really like you to be the best man at my wedding. And I just was like, sure, I've never been asked that before. Like, sure, I'll, I'll do that. And then I met his other his other friend and his other friend was giving me kind of the Jeremy where he was like, hmm, you know, Ben used to do all this crazy shit. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't. And he was being like very passive aggressive to me um, the entire time. <laughs> that's weird. It's, it's weird when people don't choose like their oldest friend to be best man or whatever. It's always suspicious, isn't it? There's always a, there's always yeah. a reason. Have you ever been a best man, Michael? Uh, my sister would like me to be MC for her upcoming wedding. Uh, I have not been a best man though. No, that's um, it's a big, it's a big responsibility. Mm. God, MCs a lot. I'm reading into it now. You gotta be funny. Bloody hell. <laughs> yeah. So I was at my best friend's wedding. I was like, they, that was, they called me the best woman. But I think I essentially did that, and I had to, I had to give several toasts, and I was just very drunk. But everyone was laughing, so I was, I'm sure I was very <laughs> funny. Uh, Mark is thinking about his best man speech was super hands and he's thinking about, Oh, where do I start the time he tried to cut off my legs when he was tripping? Cause he thought I was a demon or the time he went straight for me with a chicken skewer for no apparent reason. Both, <laughs> both of which I would wish we would have seen in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, he then looks at his phone and sees that Dobby is off grid. She could be anywhere. Thinks how selfish it is. Um, in, Keeping with his newfound uh, love of surveillance, he's on his computer and he has a little look at the security cameras that he's put up in the flat. Says, quick neighbourhood watch over my own personal neighbourhood. And then a disappointing Skype chat with my son. Um, he thinks that there's nothing unethical about secretly filming his own flat. If Jeremy's got nothing to hide, he's got nothing to fear. And as he goes onto the, the feed of the flat, he sees that Jeremy is just walking around in his pants and a vest. <laughs> <laughs> Which really cracks me up. Jeremy just looks like he's having the time of his life. Yeah, he's uh, he's eating cereal straight from the box. He's in his, his vest. He doesn't give a shit. So Mark says that it's time for a show trial. He's going to make Jeremy confess. So he gives Jeremy a call on Skype, which is a bit weird. This is not how you contact your housemate, is it? No. One thing I noticed in this episode, too, that I was going to mention was that Mark seems to just be all of a sudden a technological genius. Mm. yeah and yeah and like these cameras are is that is that realistic that he would have cameras so small that jeremy wouldn't be able to see them like it just i agree with you it just feels a bit like mm, how's he done this i mean i guess it's possible yeah i mean we've got a wi-fi camera in the girl's room that um it like it 
attaches to the Wi-Fi, obviously. So wherever you are in the world, you can see what's going on on it as long as the Wi-Fi in the house is working. But it's quite an obtrusive camera. It's not It's not like a secret camera. And Mark, uh, Mark has apparently got like 10 of these <laughs> in his flat now in every room. And Jeremy's yeah. not noticed. What's that movie uh, where oh, it's probably it's actually probably a lot of movies where some psycho is watching people, um, you know, on like a bank of cameras. <laughs> yeah. Rear window. Yeah. Saw. But you saw that's 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 one of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. And then he talks about he goes from GCHQ to Neighborhood Watch, you know, GCHQ, government agency, Neighborhood Watch, very benign, you know, just neighbors looking out for each other to Stasi now just admits you know, <laughs> <laughs> that he's as bad as. East Germany. Yeah. Um, so he pulls Jeremy up on video chat, and uh, you know, Jeremy says that there's a micro, you know, there's a microclimate in the house, and he's actually like really cold, and he does this fake like brrrr. Um, and then Mark says that it is an hour outside of the agreed heating window, and the flat looks incredibly warm. And Jeremy correctly points out how could it look warm, and uh. At this point, we hear a doorbell ring, and Mark asks who that is, and Jeremy says it's ISIS come around to charge their mobiles on Mark's coin. And <laughs> I love that line. It makes me really laugh every time. There's a bunch of like really underappreciated lines in this episode, I found. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then at this point, um, uh, Jeremy opens the door, and it's Joe, and Joe's got like a bottle of wine. And uh, he asked Jeremy if they have a time for a bit of life coaching off the clock. And Jeremy just says, I know what this weird atmosphere is. <laughs> yeah. And I, in keeping with uh, my live tweeting of this, I looked up my tweets for this episode and my tweet at this point was, ah, gay Jez, it was inevitable. This is what's been going on with him for the past 13 years. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, so he's gay. Like, that's that's what's been going on with jazz like everything suddenly made sense <laughs> this is there's a shot um, here that reminds us of how good looking he is um uh holding the bottle of wine which i couldn't identify so no peep show culinary unfortunately uh, oh. <laughs> um, he is very good looking mm, that little fellow isn't he yeah who the hell is he who is he what's he what's his who name? is he yeah let's have a look let's see who if he's been in anything else <laughs> What's his name? Joe, Joe, and Peep Bart Edwards. That's it. Ah, uh, yes. I So I knew that because they, on uh, Robert Webb went on the grief cast with Cameron Lloyd and they were talking about Bart and how good looking he was. They agreed that he was gorgeous. I wonder how many <laughs> Twitter followers he has. Oh my God. We could probably tweet him and he would see this tweet. <laughs> Is in, what's his Twitter handle? Uh, at Bart underscore Edwards. He's in that thing Unreal, which I've never seen, which is apparently really good. Uh, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet him. Hi, Bart. We are recording episode on a Peep Show series nine, episode two, and discussing how good looking you are <laughs> we'll send you a link as uh, we'll send you a link to the finished episode kissy face <laughs> i'll definitely tag him in that 
He's got um, he's got lovely eyes. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, we also hear a mark, uh, a knock on Mark's door, and Mark yells, "Coming hands!" And he opens the door, and it is Dobby. My God, I thought. No offense to Izzy Suddy, I think she's a beautiful woman, but I thought she just looked fucking horrible here. See, I completely disagree. I think she looks better than she's ever previously looked here. All right, well, we which, will... Which probably tells you something about our sartorial styles, probably. But, you know, I think she looks... Yeah, she does look a bit hipster, but, like, I just hated the way she dressed previously, and I hated her stupid hair, and I think she looks... Yeah, she looks like, like Mark says, she's bloomed. <laughs> um mark is all shocked and he just says oh did your phone die and dobby's like uh yeah yeah it did um they kind of discuss the million text month that you know they just get it out of their way and they're just being weird and um mark invites her into the room to talk talk things over between them and as they do a gentleman with a beard named gregory walks in and says that his phone isn't charging, and he's a little upset about that. Yeah, he says he thinks the voltages are wrong. Um, <laughs> and Mark is like, who the fuck is he? And what's he got against uh, the uh, the British voltage system? And Dobby introduces him as, as Gregory. And, uh, Can I just point out, American voltage is half what it is in Britain, and this is why Americans don't have electric kettles. And this revelation went around BuzzFeed and blew everyone's mind. Like, Yeah, I remember yeah. that, and I remember being also being shocked that <laughs> Americans are boiling water on stoves like cavemen. What do you... I, I, no, oh, we have electric kettles. <laughs> do you? Do you have electric kettles now? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. That's they, good. They yeah, because I remember... I remember going to America and my hairdryer being just shit because it was going at like half the speed that it should go on. And I was in, where was I? I was in Georgia and the humidity was insane anyway. And my hair was just, I had like an afro because my hairdryer wouldn't work and the humidity was terrible. So I've, I've experienced the crapness of the American voltage system with British appliances. And of course we have, I mean, I, you know, whatever Britain has in Australia. So that's why we have 240 or... <laughs> What did we have? Yeah, Japan, yeah. which I've, I've been to Japan many times, and and yeah, it's 110, and it does take a long time to boil the water. See, uh, why the... is that? Is that because there's more of you? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. I'm sure it's not enough to electricity do... to go around. It'll be, it'll have to do with Edison versus Tesla. I'm sure it's got something to do with that. Yeah, that's. I think that you're 100 percent right because I think one of them was big on. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> God, please don't. Who the who knows? Don't I, I know yeah. that Edison, Edison was an electricity guy because didn't he make some? Didn't he invent the light bulb? And look, one of them like electrocuted an elephant to prove a point. Hey, it was crazy. And do, yeah. This is this is vaguely ringing a bell from <laughs> Key Stage Three Science. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I maybe. Uh... Maybe one of our listeners knows, no. like why. Oh, yeah. If anyone knows why America's got such a shit voting system, could you let us know, please? And it is keep it short. There are more of them, because if it is, <laughs> I'm not going to look like an idiot. But if it's not, I'm. If it, if that's true, I'm going to tell my husband. I I knew a science thing. If it's not true, I'm just not going to tell him. <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up, and now I'm the one who's saying it's boring. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> see this is uh, see michael this is the stuff that gets edited out oh. 
god. You're, you're getting you're getting to see the show warts yep. and all behind the curtain. Yeah. Not to mention that we started like fucking forty minutes late. <laughs> Uh, I did not realize that the actor that plays Gregory was from Ireland. Did you not? Because his American accent is not good. Sorry, actor that plays Gregory, but mm. do you, do you think he's as an American? You surely can't think that's a good accent. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think it was a good accent, but I didn't. You know, I also figured that maybe he was one of these people that just talks strange. You Weird. know, like maybe he's from the yeah. East Coast or something. You know, like no, think thought- Kathy. Think Kathy Bates from American Horror Story. Uh, yeah, that's true. You're right. She has got a funny accent. Yeah, I just thought he did sound Irish, so it was no shock to find out he was Irish. Mark is like kind of shocked. He's like, "Who the fuck is this?" And uh, Dobby says that he's Gregory, and Mark asks what Gregory does, and we get another great line where she says he's resting and writing a great blog about digital rights and how Brooklyn is changing for the worse, and comparing the different coffee shops he doesn't like, and how their coffee isn't real coffee, mm-hmm. and. It cracks me up because this tells you everything you need to know about Gregory oh, in it. about 30 I, words. There is a brilliant, in Mitchell and Webb Sound, their radio show, which is available on um, Audible, there's a sketch that they do where it's like pretentious people talking about how things don't taste like they're supposed to. Like, oh, coffee <laughs> coffee isn't like real coffee at Starbucks. It's just foamy milk. And, and, and Robert Webb, who's the one who kind of doesn't understand what they're talking about, um, someone, someone pulls him aside and says, yeah, yeah, look, we all know that Starbucks is fine, but in conversation, you're supposed to say that you hate things that are perfectly normal. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you impress people. Yeah, uh, that is very funny. Yeah, yeah, I'm too, I'm too, uh, it's too mainstream to just go to Starbucks. Like, I'll only drink coffee that's been ground by peasants in Colombia peasant children in Colombia who were with a magical giraffe in the room. Like, yeah, those people were dickheads. May I just wave a flag for my country? Starbucks failed spectacularly in Australia because we, ha- we hate it. That's, um, that's actually a massive plus for America. I cannot say the same here. There's like a Starbucks on every corner. Yeah. Yeah, there, I would say there's a Starbucks on every corner here as well, but that's because we started the goddamn company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so your fault. Um, next we get into probably my favorite scene of this entire episode, where uh, Gregory is trying to get Dobby to leave, and um, Mark looks over at his laptop and he sees that Jeremy is in his bedroom, and Dobby just says, "Mark, have you rigged your flat up with spy cams?" And Mark tries to defend himself and says they're webcams. Jeremy has nothing to hide. He has nothing to fear. Uh, They see Joe walk in and they're like, what the fuck are they doing? And then uh, next thing you know, Jeremy and Joe just start going at it. Yeah. And I was surprised. Maybe this shows some sort of unconscious homophobia, although I don't in no way homophobic. But I was surprised surprised watching this episode for the first time how unshocked mark was and i know that jez has had like gay flings and he, he references this but if my previously straight friend was just randomly having sex with another man and i it was a i would have thought mark would have been more shocked than he was unless jez's gay side has been more prominent than we've we've seen as the viewer the gay flings was mentioned in the previous in 
the I think the last oh in in Quantocking too the gay the gay flings are mentioned. Yeah, he talks about the gay flings, and then mm. there's a as if to remind us in... maybe I don't know. It actually, no, yeah. I doubt that actually because the next season is like eighty months later. But yeah, um, and then there's a there's a bit in uh, I think it's season three or four where four it must be where Jez and Sophie have the snog and he, she says she's only slept with oh, yeah. four men. And he says, I've slept with more men than that. And I basically only sleep with women. So we do know mm. that he's got like a gay side, mm. but this, I don't know. I just would have thought that Mark would have been more surprised at this happening than he seems to be. Maybe he, maybe this was part of like new Mark trying to impress Dobby. Yeah. And Mark says that maybe he does this every time I leave <laughs> the flat. Um, then, the Gregory says, I wonder if they're going to do penetration or if they're just going to flip each other off. And Mark agrees that it does give the whole situation uh, a certain amount of, of uh, suspense. Mark then says that he isn't going to watch it or he shouldn't be watching it. So he sort of turns around and, and goes into the corner. And he then asks if his room's okay. Dobby says the room's fine, but Jeremy's cock is getting quite the hammering. <laughs> um, at this point, Superham walks in and asks if everyone's ready to go because team hands are off to burn down the village and then he sort of sees what that everyone's crowded around the computer asks what's going on and dobby says that they're watching just get fucked by some guy in mark's webcam i love this bit because super hands sort of puts his hands in his pockets and yeah. like leans forward and he's like oh right he's sort of like looking at the screen he's like fair play yeah. he's not surprised and then at he all. says to mark no, no, and he's like, oh, okay. And he's like, how long have you been filming Jez having sex, Mark? <laughs> like, this again, is like a business again. that Mark's now doing. Another one of my favorite underappreciated lines in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mark defends himself by saying that he just wanted to make sure Jeremy wasn't turning up the central heating. And then Mark says he's not going to watch this. He's just going to stare in the mirror and wait out the fucking like it's an air raid siren. And then as he's standing in the bathroom, you hear Dobby just yell, "Woo! the reading light's gone, Mark. And he, Mark just is like, oh. Minimal reading light damage. Yes, minimal reading light damage. Yeah, I fucking love um, this scene. It the, the whole thing from start to finish just cracks me up. Um, I wonder if... Uh, I wonder if they continue to watch now, obviously, because the scene cuts. But I wonder what happens. Do they continue to watch it through to its inevitable climax? Or do they all go off to the pub? Like, uh, I wonder if they watched it to the end. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know. With um, Gregory's question answered. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I, well, it sounds like it was just based off of what Dobby was saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, we then move to a pub, which I believe Sean has done some research on. Yes, we are at the Black Horse Pub, Dog Kennel Lane, Chorley Wood in Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire. Hertfordshire, uh, England. So, yeah, it's actually a real place. Ah, nowhere near where they're supposed to be either, but near <laughs> where they film. So, um, so Mark is still grilling Superhands um, for speech information Dobby's on the phone and she is telling Gregory that Mark isn't going to jump her because he's not an alpha male arsehole and uh, Mark thinks to himself that everybody trusts him because he's a pathetic worm and uh, Superhands is thinking of funny stories for the speech so he tells Mark that he once totaled a mate's car smashed the shit out of it big time and they fell out and he came for me but I did him <laughs> great story great yeah. story um, and Mark says, is there anything I could use that might be a bit more romantic? 
And then he says he knows it sounds like a start question, but what is your name? <laughs> and then we go to um, we go back to Apollo House, and Jez and Joe are kind of sitting on the couch, post coital, and Jeremy is just having a really Jeremy is just super confused right now, and is just you know he's debating about what's going on with his life, and um, Joe is like. Hey, you know, uh, would it be okay? I mean, you know, would it be okay if I stayed over? And Jeremy thinks to himself, you know, cuddling up all night with Joe as if we were boyfriend and boyfriend. Am I going the full three dimensions? And then he just abruptly stands up and says he'd love to, but he's got to get on a coach to Norfolk. It's a best friend's wedding. And Joe's like, you have to go now. And Jeremy says, yeah, I got to go now. And so he pretty much gets up, gets dressed and walks out of the apartment. Yeah, he says he's got to get on a night coach to King's Lynn later. Um, we then move back to the pub where Dobby, Mark and Hans are all standing outside. Um, and Mark is on his phone saying he's clearly talking to a taxi service. And he says he's really sorry, sorry for being rude. No, you've explained the economics of running a rural taxi firm very clearly. And then hangs up and tells Dobby and Superhands that it's three hours for a cab, which uh, reminded me of when... Sophie was in labour and Jeremy was trying to get a cab where I believe it was also something like a three hour. Oh, uh, you know, reminded me of something. Yeah, yeah. Um, my, and Dobby says, sorry. My question on. is, is why are they out in the middle of nowhere to begin with? I guess because the wedding's in the middle of nowhere, but the, it does beg the question of how they got to the pub in the first place, unless it was one of those situations where like the buses only run till six o'clock in the evening. It's weird because watching, I've watched this episode like four or five times. It has never once like registered to me how odd it is that they're out in the middle of nowhere. No, yeah, I guess it's like a country wedding. Plus, I mean, it's the night before Superhands' wedding, so I, I would assume they would have been near the the hotel because Hands would have had, like, stuff to do. I guess, though, he says, doesn't he, in the previous scene that Molly's Molly's crew are at the hotel, so I suppose they're they're doing that traditional thing where the bride and groom don't see each yeah. other the night before or the yeah. day like in the morning before. So that's why they've gone to the pub. Um, Super hands decides to just stick out his thumb and give it a try at hitchhiking. And Dobby is very excited about this. Um, she says one of us is one of them is going to get murdered. Probably me. It's usually the girl. <laughs> um, Super hands tells her to relax. If anything, if anybody tries anything, he'll just whip out the boot lace and take him from behind. Nice and easy. <laughs> Uh, Mark takes this opportunity to apologise to Dobby about the million text month and she says she just wasn't feeling like chatting after the weird picnic and she says that she was feeling suffocated for those last few months um, and he says, can't, she says can't you remember we used to just sit on the sofa watching DVDs and eating a lamp stand like a pair of zombies and um, Mark says oh yeah it was sort of living death wasn't it but obviously this is the stuff that Mark thought was the pinnacle of their relationship <laughs> and then at this point uh, a car pulls over and Mark is you know like are we seriously going to get in a stranger's car and Dobby says it's an adventure Mark and Mark thinks to himself they could be anyone poets, hippies, freaks, norms maniacs, people, smugglers organ harvesters everyone's drinking the Kool-Aid I don't want the Kool-Aid <laughs> The delicious Kool-Aid. Yeah. Because that's why they drank it, because it was delicious. Delicious, <laughs> yeah. Jonestown. And not because they were forced to. No. Um, we then move to a National Express coach where Jeremy is sitting 
glowering at the man in the seats opposite the aisle to him because of the tinny vibration coming from his uh, earphones. Uh, he says that he's aggressive. He thinks he's aggressively glancing. Um, he, this has got to be hurting him. He's, you know, he can't surely not be getting this. This is really hurtful. He's so middle-aged. Like, so middle-aged oh. now. Um, and he, this really captures the misery of a, of a coach journey, a long coach journey. Sorry, um, long, long I've by only, British standards. How long is it? Long, yeah, long by British standards. Um, but it probably takes in every small town along the way. Oh. So it probably does take about eight hours. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jeremy is kind of having this crisis where he says what the hell am I doing in this horrible coach instead of spooning with a lovely guy do I love Joe do I love Megan do I love this guy sitting next to me am I a guy who just slept with a guy which is fine or am I a guy who is a gay guy which is also fine or am I a guy who sometimes sleeps with guys and sometimes doesn't which is also fine it's all totally fine and I just made a note here that I thought this was like a surprisingly poignant yes. scene for peep, by Peep Show standards. He's, he processes it really well, and I mean the whole—I know the whole show is about introspection, but this is out of this is uncharacteristically introspective by um, by Jeremy. It's completely—it's—it's it's not completely out of character. It's showing us the characters growing um, towards nothing because, of course, they really don't grow up um, by the end of this season. Uh, they're just right back where they started. But there is a bit of it was good. I, I, I remember seeing this and I thought, I thought um, we're finally they, there's a point to this season. It's that they're they're going to learn and grow just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, this is a question for both of you. Do you think Jeremy is was gay? No, I think he's bisexual. Um, I think he's bisexual. And yeah, and I think. Um, and also, what are they? He's probably, he's probably, he's probably pansexual. He's probably poly. That's what I was polyamorous. just thinking. He's probably into. Um, uh, he's he's probably into um, uh, all sorts of things that we don't hear about because, of course, um, who was the one with the strap on? Like, um, he was. Although we, oh. did, we didn't enjoy that, but he <laughs> he said, <laughs> <laughs> or did he? Uh, we, we never, never see yeah, the, we never uh, find out yeah but he's yeah. quite to go with yeah. it. so um like everything yeah he's um he's extremely he's extremely open-minded yeah because i remember thinking during this episode that oh okay so was jesse's has jesse's sort of lack of success in relationships been just because actually he's more comfortable being in a, in gay relationships and that's not something he's really like explored properly before mm. and i do think that he seems to feel more strongly for Joe than he ever has felt for really any of the the women that he's been involved with, um, or certainly yeah, I was just thinking that like same a, thing. True, yeah, yeah, they seem to have a more sort of realistic relationship rather than previously where it's just been Jeremy like chasing women that for the most part are not very interested or lose interest in him. But this seems to be like a mutual. They seem to mutually like each other in a way that has not happened previously for Jeremy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Actually, do you think that that has some validity to it, Laura? Actually, as well, this just reminded me when I saw Robert Webb um, at the uh, when he was promoting his um, memoir, How Not to Be a Boy, when he was talking to Victoria Corin Mitchell, he said that the uh, the writers of Peep Show actually asked him they knew about because he'd had web had had um gay relationships when he was younger uh, because they thought he could bring some 
realism to the part as mm. he was a man who had who was now in a heterosexual relationship but had previously had had gay relationships and I thought that that was a interesting and b it was very nice of the writers to want to include something that they knew he could portray really well because he'd been through it in real life if you haven't read his book michael i highly recommend oh, yeah, it. it's I've really really read good both of them. yeah sorry no, both as in my um as in david mitchell's and uh, robert webb's yeah yeah it's just how not to be a boy is just literally was like my book of the year last year i i couldn't stop telling people about it Great. i loved it so much yeah. it's just, it just yeah. brilliant yeah um so next scene we are in the car and it is mark dobby it's Mark Dobby and Superhands are all kind of squished into the back seat, and then there's two driver. There's a guy in the front seat, two guys in the front seat. They're all just kind of making small talk, and Mark is just like, "Oh God, they're doggers! I'm gonna get dogged." <laughs> can you, Laura, as the as the Brit, can you explain dogging, please? So dogging is where you have sex in a public place, and you encourage others to watch. Ah, so okay. There. So there are like different codes, I believe. I've, I've never been one myself, but there are different codes for it. So like if you're in a car, you like flash your lights a certain amount of times in a, in a car park or whatever, and other people come and voyeur on you while you, uh, while you do it. But um, we, so not in the house we live in now, but the house we used to live in was opposite a station car park. And we were pretty sure that's what was going on there. Cause like at about 2 a.m., at the weekends you used to get a lot of uh, headlights flashing and stuff and it was like oh what's going oh. on there and uh, yeah people congregating to uh, for, for for hours at a time so I'm pretty sure I used to live opposite a prime dogging location in East London <laughs> I, I asked I was talking to Sam about it and he said well we we didn't agree he thought it was having sex in public and I thought it was watching people have sex in public on the on the like um because you've got your dog with you and that's how you you say, oh, no, no, I'm not watching people having sex. I'm just walking my dog. <laughs> yeah, dogs are not involved, as, as as far as I'm aware. That's not part of oh. it. Well, according to uh, <laughs> what's her name from CarShare, it's dogging is when you take your dog for a walk. Take your dog for a walk, yeah. I used to, so, um, so me and an ex-boyfriend used to go to a pub that was, it was quite near his house geographically, but you had to sort of walk around three sides of the square. And we used to cut across this school playing field to get back to his house. And like, it was, it was like a hole in the fence and we'd walk through and there's a hole in the fence on the other side. And there was a guy who he used to be hanging around with his dog. And I'm pretty sure he was waiting for some people to come and, and, and have sex on the field. I mean, we never saw any evidence of further doggers, but he was always there. And I think he was definitely waiting for some sort of nocturnal activities to happen. Uh, at this point, um, super hands, like, uh, pulls out his uh, shoelaces and starts making a garrote and Mark like leans over and whispers like, do not murder him. And the guys in the front seat just happen to hear him say, say this. And it uh, turns into a huge issue where they are, you know, like, why are you telling him to kill us? And Mark is trying to explain, you know, I momentarily thought there was an outside chance that my pal might be going to try to murder you. And I was just checking that he wasn't. Uh, so what's your position on the whole Euro situation? <laughs> UKIP, Euro, they're so um, prescient in this episode. And in the next episode, I was watching this yesterday and he uh, mentions Veritas and Kilroy and the whole like UKIP, UKIP getting set up thing. So this was clearly something that was on the writer's mm. mind at the time. Uh, 
future show, later. Future, future, yeah. uh, future storytellers yeah. or future. Uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, we then cut to Dobby, Mark, and Hans walking down the road. They've clearly been chucked out of the car because they the the drivers clearly didn't think they weren't going to murder them. And uh, Dobby is smoking uh, a cigarette, and Mark says to her that he thought Hans was actually going to go rock. <laughs> um, have we ever seen Dobby smoking before? Yes. Have we? Oh, I know it's seen her. I know. I know it's spoken of because she's yeah. A smoker, we know she smokes because man cheddar, man cheese. Yeah. Mm. Um, man cheese I... is not what I meant. Wait. 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 My mind is blown. So, man cheddar is cigarettes no no my no. man she means like strong chiller because her taste buds are fucked from all the smoking oh i thought maybe she just like like strong cheese i didn't know it had anything to she says with... i'm a smoker and he bantered her you know so she's saying what she's oh, saying is that the, the cheese on them that they the cheese they give them in the canteen is clearly like mild rubbery cheese and she presents she she a mature own, cheddar yeah she brings her own mature cheddar because her taste buds are fucked Oh, okay. See, smoker. I just, just never mind. It's okay. That's awesome. I <laughs> so, never yeah, realized. Not okay. I never realized that. It's not what you're thinking. Of. Mind blown. Yeah, <laughs> it's five in the four forty-five in the morning, and I'm just now figuring out what she meant in a podcast also, we recorded um, like six months ago. Also, Mark says at some point, although I can't remember the exact episode. He says, "Oh, does, is it in this episode that he says to is it to, he says to Gregory at the end that she's not right for him because she smokes?" Yeah, yeah, just yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So no, we've never seen her smoking before, but we know she does smoke. Yeah. Um, Although talk- that doesn't tie in with her being asthmatic, does it? <laughs> no, she smokes weed as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's why she's got. That's the real reason she's got asthma. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dobby says she thought no one was going to challenge or. Tommy says she thought no one was going to challenge that guy on his xenophobic rant, but he just had to say it. He just, she just couldn't let it go. And, you know, Mark thinks, oh, that's nice of you to say that, but maybe you should have done it a bit closer to our destination. And Superhands is upset, and he says that Molly's going to shit a brick house, and he says he's going to run. He takes off his shoes, and he says, I'm just going to use nature's <laughs> trainers, the human foot. And watch out for the wolves, and he just goes running off. I've got, I've got disgusting feet. So that's there you go. This is a little uh, inside behind the curtain for 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 all you peep show fans. My feet are vile, and um, I I I routinely like file my feet with one of those filey things that gets hard skin off. They repulse my husband. He like can he, does, he insists I wear socks a lot of the time, um, but. As such, because of my fabulous hard skin foot, I actually think that my feet might be nature's trainer. Yeah, you can and do I that. If super, yeah, over I reckon I could. Skin. Yeah, I think I could. And I reckon that maybe Superhands' feet are similar. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> maybe if I ran with no shoes on, I could be a great runner. Like, I've not found my sport yet in nearly 33 years, but maybe it's running. I just need to do it barefoot. You see these barefoot guys running? Up. Okay. <laughs> These, these guys that are like that look like super hands that are out there a lot of them are in bare feet just sort of walking around aren't they 
yeah. I'm getting the feeling this is not the first time that Superhands has done this. Um, Superhands calls behind him to watch out for wolves. And Mark says, there are no wolves in East Anglia hands. And he says, yeah, keep telling yourself that, Marco. (laughs) (laughs) We find out that they are actually five miles away from, um, was it Farkin? Fakenham. Fakenham. Which which I thought is a fake name. And then I looked it up and it's a real place. I thought it's like a... (laughs) Is it like a you know where you have a I don't know a, a, a name that you use in a in a in in a TV show that's like uh, you know how they use fake Joe phones? Smith yeah 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 I know Fakenham is a real place I've been there right. I can confirm so it is Reelingham <laughs> it's Reelingham yeah <laughs> um, and then uh, Davi throws out that if it gets too cold that they could always go sleep in a barn. And Mark thinks to himself, the prospect of spending the night huddled in a haystack with Dobby should be thrilling, but all I can think about is my hotel bed and my pillow chocolate. I want my pillow chocolate. She's a blabbermouth, and she's ruined it for everyone. Um, and this is the start of, because she's a blabbermouth, blabbermouth later on, um, you know, she reveals that Mark knew the whole time that he'd been, uh, that, that Jeremy was gay. So this kind of sets that up. You know that she can't. Yeah, she can't. She can't not. She can't keep her mouth shut. Can I raise one more thing? I'm going to mention Seinfeld again. Um, Sure. That the this this situation where she's where she's kicked out of the car. It's like the episode of Seinfeld where they're driving around the oh they they they're walking around the um, parking garage because they can't find their car. It's like a really early episode. And then yeah, finally it's called the garage. Yeah, it's called the garage. And the and the, the the someone finally agrees to drive them around to look for their car. And then later on, they're kicked out of the car. And then George says something. Like, I didn't. I, like, I didn't even know anything about L. Ron Hubbard and the Scientologists or whatever. So he said something <laughs> to offend the driver. That's a great. Uh, that's like one of my favorite Seinfeld episodes. Oh, by it's, the way, it's one of the best. Yeah, absolutely. It, by the way, if you have not listened to, um, there's a podcast called the. It's just basically Seinfeld recap. Yeah. It was actually my inspiration for this podcast. It's really good. Is it called Seincast? Uh, it's not. Okay. It is. There's one called Seincast, I... which is just finished. It's just got to, the, got to the end of all the episodes. Oh. It's been going for years and years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I talk about a commitment to a show yeah. that's like 180 episodes or something like that. Yeah. That, no, I haven't listened to the, the one you're talking about, but yeah, Seincast has just finished. Um, it's really good. Laura's starting her own adventure with a fucking 2000 episode show. <laughs> yeah, I've never yeah. heard of let's this see, show. Let's see how that goes. Me and my sister are going to record our first episode on this week. What's the show called see... again? As in the show that you're... Um, Brookside. Brookside, okay. It was a soap opera that aired here for about 20 <laughs> years on Channel 4. Uh, Didn't want to tackle was... Neighbours or Home and Away? No, decided to go for the go, decided to go for the the weirdest one. Um, I was talking about it on Reddit yesterday, and someone said I've got loads of questions, and most of them just start with why. So that's I think that's probably going to be the reaction of, of most people. But I think it could have legs. We'll see. We'll see what me and my sister yeah, come up so. with. <laughs> um, so we finally get back to the um, hotel room, and Mark is. You know, uh, I'm so glad to be back here. And um, there's a knock on the door, and Mark thinks to himself that it could be Dobby. Maybe Gregory's minor headache was an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> Naughty but nice. And it is Jeremy. 
yes or the inevitable jez as mark thinks of him um he asks mark how the dobby mission is going and mark says it's a disaster she's got a boyfriend she seems a lot happier she's much more comfortable in her own skin she's blossomed and jeremy says yeah i hate it when that happens clearly this is he's seen this before um and he jeremy then says that he knows they don't have too many heart to hearts but he really wants to talk to mark about something and mark obviously knows what it is he wants to talk about and so he's like oh okay do you and he thinks don't preempt uh blank face blank face and jeremy says that he really marks the last person he'd want to talk about this with generally but you know he hasn't really got anyone else uh so the fact is this is going to come as something of a shock earlier tonight i had sex with a man in my bedroom <laughs> this scene reminds me of when um uh he he knows that jeremy hasn't gone to therapy and uh sees him in the indian restaurant and then tortures him with the indian food it'll all go away yeah. <laughs> i i love mark in this scene where he's trying to get it out of jeremy that they were actually in his room yeah and he's like what was the temperature in the room <laughs> and jeremy just says uh you know this is possibly the biggest thing that's ever happened in my life and you're obsessing about rumal geography <laughs> Uh, and I love that phrase, rumal geography. This is something we we refer to often in our house, and it's a uh, it's quite a good expression. There's not there's not really an expression to to describe what you mean about where things are in the house. So rumal geography is is, is a good way of putting it. <laughs> um, and then uh, Jeremy just says, "I thought I was totally open and cool, but now I wonder if inside I don't have some shame or confusion." deep in there and mark is just like oh my fucking god uh yeah i get it mate uh and out of curiosity what was the temperature like in the room that you were doing it and jeremy just says normal unheated regular air temperature yeah so jeremy yeah. is being so uncharacteristically introspective again and letting it all out and of course mark is being mark and um being you know mean and knows that knows that he it's horrible because he knows he knows what Jeremy is trying to say here, yet the temperature um, is more important. Or is it no, yeah. sorry, no, the temperature is not important. Jeremy telling the truth is more important about the temperature, yeah. not about being gay. Not to Mark. Not to Mark. He needs to know what the temperature That's was. That's right. That's the most important thing, getting, getting him to tell the truth. About, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, just at this point, Dobby comes in because Gregory forgot his toothbrush that he'd left charging in Mark's room. And she see obviously is sort of surprised to see Jez, and then she's like, "Oh, am I interrupting? Sorry, I'll leave you to it." And uh, and then Jez sort of says hello to Dobby with no embarrassment, considering the last time they saw each other, he was running after her, saying that he loved her. Um, mm. And mm. yeah, which is a bit weird, it's but not okay. resolved at all, but, actually, is it? No, but you know, bigger fish to fry yeah. at this point, I guess. <laughs> Um, and Dobby says, sorry, it's just that I know something about you, which I really shouldn't know, but I do know, and it's not my fault. Oh God, uh, anyway, great, lovely, off I go. And uh, Jess is like, how do you know? What? And he's, he's, as you would be, very confused. Yeah, I feel very bad for Jeremy in this scene because it's just a cavalcade of shit. Yes, um, and Mark has to admit that he has got a webcam in his bedroom, so... He saw the whole thing, and so did Dobby. Um, at this point, um, Gregory walks in, and he just is like, Hey, Dobbs, I forgot my charger. Can I grab it? 
whoa, you must be Jeremy. And uh, Jeremy just is like, yeah, how did you know? And he's like, and Gregory says, oh, I think I've just seen you around before and <laughs> see you later. And Jeremy just looks at Mark and says him as well. And Mark defends himself by saying, you chose to go into my bedroom. You filmed yourself. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I didn't know that your room was bristling with surveillance equipment. It's this argument that is made by the, the, the CCTV proponents, the whole, if you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear. Um, you're not entitled to any privacy. Mm-hmm. Whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mark is clearly and one of those. Uh, yeah. Even though it hasn't um, hasn't reduced the crime rate at all. Uh, it's still like justified because, well, it, it justified at any cost. I don't live in Sydney. Sydney's not very far from Canberra, um, and a lot of people go up there for nightclubs and stuff. And they, the, the the rules they've brought in about um, lockouts where you can't, um, you, if you leave a club at, at two a.m., you can't go, you can't go back in, and uh, plastic instead of glasses, and um, oh, it's just people. Uh, New South Wales is just becoming up. Uh, I can't say police state because I'm a civil servant, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then at this point, uh, Hans walks into the room and he's just like, um, I just want to apologize about the garroting. I fucked up a nice lift for us and I'm glad you didn't break my nuts about it. It's what real mates do. They take a pounding and they still come up sp- smiling a bit like jez with that bloke in your bed and jeremy's just like jesus christ how's every is the entire world seen this fucking video and uh jeremy says that he came to talk about someone to get this some perspective and it turns out he just read the fucking youtube comments yeah but as superhand points out they might be good comments yeah superhand knowing yeah. youtube it is not if that happened to him he'd be more concerned yeah about the good comments because for fame and <laughs> yeah, cost, exactly. uh, in his opinion, yeah. <laughs> um, we then move on to the next oh, day. Oh, hello, Esther. Have you come to join us? Um, we then move on to the next day at Super Hans's wedding, and we see for the first time, the first and only time, the fucking twins. Oh, the twins, yeah. <laughs> I was so excited when they showed the twins. Orange didn't yeah, them. although I thought I don't know why I thought this, but I had it in my head that the twins were girls. So I was like, "Oh, they're boys." I don't know why, but I just expected them to be girls for some reason. Yeah, I love this. This is one of my. This is a great little callback. It's incredible. We never find out their names, though. What do you reckon the twins are called? They'd have German names, wouldn't they? Oh no, maybe not. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hans and Fritz. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know many German names. <laughs> Fritz would definitely be one. Is Fritz actually a name? Yeah, I think we, so. We just call German people that. It's a type of sausage, <laughs> yeah. I know that. Yeah. Hang on, let's look up most common boys' names in Germany. It'll be John, or whatever that is in German. Yeah. Or Carl, with a K. Carl with a K, Mikhail. Let's have a look. Uh, Ben, Paul, Jonas, Elias, Leon, Finn, Noah, and Lewis. So yeah, oh, they're kind of modern. They must be the most common standard. Baby. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to know like historically, was Fritz on there? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going with uh, Finn and Lucas. Yeah, 
with a K. Finn is a good Irish name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Scottish. How many uh, Peep Show weddings is this for us, by the way? Oh, the fourth... Is this number four? Fourth. I suppose we don't actually see Elena's wedding, and it never takes place. Ah, uh, yeah. Let's see, we've got Jeremy's wedding... Mark's wedding, super hand. Okay, so this is our third wedding. Yeah. In order of the three weddings, whose uh, wedding would you want to go to the most? <laughs> Jeremy's wedding. Jeremy's wedding was that looked like the most fun. Yeah, I think the food would be good. At well, Mark's wedding, of course, they still would have had the reception. So the food. Can't wait, tuna. The. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the heartbreak tuna would have been delicious, but. Watching the bride weeping over it, maybe not so delicious. Um, and uh, um, watching Jeremy dancing with himself at his wedding. <laughs> yeah, it's as solid as a rock. That's what I want to see. Um, so at Super Hans's wedding, we've got Mark, Dobby, and Gregory. They're all sitting next to each other. And um, they have a, a woman officiating the ceremony, which I thought was interesting. A woman did my it's wedding. Very common, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> that sounds so rude. Oh. Sorry. And, yeah. the, and I'm the patriarchy. Trying think, I'm trying to think of like the last four weddings I've been to. I think it's been women officiating. I think it's pretty common. Yeah, it is. Obviously, can... when it's, I mean, when it's my family, if they get married in a Catholic church, it's never a woman, of course. But um, I was going to say, yeah, not in a Catholic mm-hmm. church, but, you know, in other more progressive places. Mm-hmm. Um, Mark leans over and. Uh, uh, Jeremy walks in and he's you know thinks to himself there's no bouncers at a wedding plus mm-hmm. the great thing is, is I've escaped the strong comforting arms of the sexy affectionate man and uh, then we go over to Mark and he's leans over and whispers to Davi that uh, you know Gregory sure loves his phone <laughs> looking at his phone and she loves it it's gonna I could become, look at my phone it, do you think it'll become acceptable <laughs> one day to just do this we went to a wedding in st louis and in st louis uh their football team left and so now the columbia tigers which is the university of missouri football team is like huge hot shit and there were people at the wedding that were watching the missouri tigers game on their phone Uh, during the actual wedding well that was their fault for having the wedding at that time that's exactly what people said. <laughs> if, if if someone was having a wedding during the AFL Grand Final or the NRL Grand Final or the Melbourne Cup, um, that's their fault. That's their. Fault. <laughs> yeah, like if yeah, I'd say if a wedding was. I mean, even if it was my own wedding, I would understand like if it was the World Cup or a like the Royal Wedding, but not in the. I could understand people. What, hang on, Esther, button it. Um, I can understand if it was in the in the reception, but I wouldn't take very kindly to it happening in the in the actual ceremony. Like I don't think that yeah. happened. What I loved is that Laura just had a situation where she had to deal with the World Cup on uh, her daughter's birthday. Mm. Yes, we did. We uh, we had to. Luckily, the birthday party was booked for the morning, so we had we just had to like say to people in the afternoon, "I oh, will put the game on them because there was no way people were gonna." not watch it yeah um we get awesome fucking wedding vows between oh. super hands and his wife oh, yeah. molly <laughs> i laughed so much the first time i saw this um 
but I'm going to guess that, Sean, the lyrics to this song mean nothing to you, so you were probably just like, what the fuck is this? Oh, Christ, this is a song, isn't it? Yeah, I hadn't heard yeah, of this song it is. Either. I had to Google it. Um, it's called Move Any Mountain by The Shaman, most notable for their smash it Ebenezer good, which must have been a thing in America. Was that a thing? What is it called? Ebenezer good. Uh, sure. Yeah, that was a huge hit over here. <laughs> was it not? Was it not a thing? Uh, here, let me listen to it. Was it a thing in Australia? Uh, if uh, I'm sure Sam would know it. I don't remember names and band names and stuff. Sam's got a brilliant. This is a very this yeah. Ebenezer Good is very catchy. I'm gonna listen it's to uh, it's about ecstasy. <laughs> oh. Holy shit! This video is insane. Oh yeah. It's mad. It's nuts, isn't it? Holy fuck, I'm going to turn this off before I have a seizure. <laughs> um. But I just really enjoy that they've chosen this song as their uh, as their, as their vows. Um, how do we feel about people writing their own vows? Is it, is it sweet or is it, you know, tacky? Everyone does it now. Like, unless, yeah. even if you get married in a Catholic church um, where it's all very set, um, people just can't help themselves, you know? <laughs> We didn't do it. I'm not into it. How do you feel about it, Sean? We didn't write our own vows, but her uncle, so her uncle officiated our wedding and he wrote kind of a, like a modified version of the wedding vows. And so we ended up liking those. So I guess we right. did in a sense, write our own vows. I like the, we, um... some of the religious ones. They're, they're, they're really, really good. And you know what I mean? They're, tr they're tried and tested. There's a certain amount of, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, tradition to them. You know, that's that's not a good tradition. It's a, it's a tradition that excludes me. Yeah, I'm I'm on your <laughs> side. Like, I obviously I didn't get married in a didn't get married in a church. Mm. But the way I feel about it is, it's like a legally binding contract, and therefore you need to say the legally yes. binding words rather than rather than quoting like James. Blunt that bit's over your, really you know. quickly. You only have to say I exactly. full name agree to marry you full name. Um, that's it, and the re the rest is all yeah theatre. And, yeah. look at this, and then, you know, they paid for it, you know. Yeah, sure. Get someone to read a poem, but I just think you need to you need to have the you need to have the sort of legally binding bits in which Hans and Molly do not seem to have it. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. that's true. And then we find out here that uh, Super Hans's name is Simon. Ah, oh, God. Which sort of was a letdown, wasn't it? Another Simon. This is another Simon. Simon. Yeah, yeah. This is one of my fixations with Peep Show. One is. Um, all the problems with the Nether Zone episode that make it implausible, and the other is why they're four Simons. I suppose in real life, you know, there are lots of people with multiple names, but it does seem a bit of a of a Simons that overrepresented. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> um, although I don't know what I would have wanted his name to be, because I guess mm. if it had been something really outlandish like Ebenezer or you know, like something crazy, you would have thought, well, that's really cheap. But yeah, it was a bit like, oh, his name's Simon. Oh, well, there's. I didn't. I guess I forgot that there was like multiple Simons in this show. Yeah, there were three of them. And then. Um, three, okay. That's not so bad. Yeah, and then there's uh, Molly. Molly, it's her turn to read her vows, and she tells Hans that he is the best man, the truest, kindest, most generous of men. And Mark thinks to himself, I might get. I think he might be the opposite of all those words. <laughs> And then Superhands continues that he 
Superhand states that he is getting married and he would punch anyone in the throat that tries to stop him. He's so suffused with love, he'd put a glass in the face of anyone who tried to stop us from joining our souls together. He'd hospitalize them. And Mark just says, here, here. It's the most South London thing ever said. Yeah, um, the, the year after... The year after this uh, aired for our wedding anniversary, uh, this was what my husband wrote in our in my anniversary card. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, he's a really? keeper, Laura. He's a keeper. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> Next, we go to the reception, and Mark has his phone out, and it's. I paused to look at the words on his phone, and it fucking made me laugh. Uh, it just says, "Sounds of Kev, uh, sounds of Q." Miss Ty Jail on the bands, drop the first marriage, <laughs> uh, long friendship minus bad blood and sucking each other off. <laughs> and he's just got this list of like really funny shit on his phone that he's not going to talk about. Yeah, and he says he's going to wrap up the toast to the bride and groom, Hans, or possibly Simon, and his wife, whose Christian name I've unfortunately forgotten. And then he thinks, shit, I don't actually really know either of their names. He's done the most basic of research, <laughs> and he didn't even Google the speech. No. Just Google yeah. the speech. Exactly. He's normally more organized than this. But of course, no, he has other things on his mind. That's, the, that's, that's what yeah. they're trying to get out here. Yeah. So from here, we see Mark, and he is looking at Dobby, and he just says... There's Davi. She doesn't like Posada or quality TV dramas. She likes hitchhiking and terrifying actual drama. We don't fit. Oh my god, I'm letting go. I'm going to delete her off my GPS. Weird, she's right behind me. Yeah, um, and as someone who has found my friends, I can tell you that it does not tell you where someone is to the actual centimeter. You would not know that the phone was behind him. Um, no, neither do any of the uh, dating apps. No. Luckily. No. <laughs> they come close let me tell you but yeah um Not quite. and he turns around and sees um that gregory is there and he says he sort of gets him against the wall and he says i know that you're stalking dobby i tucked your ip address you're still in love with her and mark says believe me i don't like i've stopped and gregory says when and mark says literally like right this moment i've stopped i'm gonna delete her off my phone um Gregory says, you know, he's like threatening him, calling him a douchebag. And it Mark says, I promise that I don't like her anymore. She's always saying exactly what she's thinking with no regard for the consequences. She's got weird hair and she smokes. <laughs> Please don't punch me. I wish you both well. Gregory has just had enough of his shit and um, reels back and then just punches Mark and just starts beating the shit out of Mark. Yes. We've got another wedding-based epiphany from Mark. And in some ways this one goes better than the last i mean he didn't get beaten up though but you know when he left sophie but um <laughs> all in all i think this epiphany um is uh is much more opportune yes it's um maybe something about weddings bring out epiphanies for mark mm. yeah and then uh then we get jeremy's awesome uh uh, so, or well, I guess we're not there yet, but uh, Hans is looking around for Mark because, as we know, Mark is the best man, and it's time for the best man speech. Um, so Super Hans takes it into his own hands, and he walks up to Jeremy, and he basically tells Jeremy that he's going to need to uh, do the speech, and Jeremy says he's got nothing prepared, and Hans tells him just to freestyle it. But don't rap, obviously. Remember, after Stoke, you never rap. <laughs> And um, uh, so Jeremy gets up and he makes this 
very poor speech with the starts off that he's known hands for many a year now. It's been a long road. You found Molly. Don't really want to get into this, but as I've started now, or well, I'm going to bring it round. People said Molly wasn't right for you, that she was a downer. But you know what? If someone loves someone, he just loves them. And if that person is considered to be a downer or even a yawnathon, who cares? And even if that someone loves another man or what's in a name or gender, is it possible to love two people at once? Three? Four is surely the limit. But what is love anyway? Is it an act or a feeling? Who am I to speak? Who are you to listen? Why is a marriage a marriage? But society says it's wrong for two men to love one another, even though it now says that it's okay. Is it okay because society says it's okay? What next? Dogs getting married? Could I marry my own son? Possibly not. Correct. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that people could do, should do whatever they want at a temperature that suits them within limits. And he like, Brilliant. then he just sort of like puts his arms out, like waiting for the applause and thinks, I think I <laughs> someone's going to put that on a tea towel one day. What next? Dogs getting married. <laughs> And many of these things, I'm sure a politician has said oh, during our very acrimonious uh, it happens. in Australia and in the United States and in Britain, yeah. Yeah, yeah it happens all but the time. Could, could I marry my own son? No, possibly not. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> but now, then he makes the sort of adult um, libertarian manifesto that people should be able to do what they want at a temperature that suits them within limits. Yeah. Which I think is a pretty Just great, great motto. I think, in fact, yeah. I might suggest that to my school as the new school motto. <laughs> what was that? Was that in Latin? <laughs> um, in a very poignant line that hits me hard, he says, "Yeah, eat that, Obama." Fuck off, Mandela. <laughs> Take that, Mark. I'm the best man, the best man who ever lived. And then we see Mark just like slammed against a door. And that's it. That is the end of the episode. Our last appearance at Dobby. Thank you, yeah. Mark. No more Dobby. Yep. Um, I really, really loved Dobby. I know I'm wrong. I don't know. I'll, you know <laughs> no, I mean, nerded, you're entitled but, to um, your opinion, even when your opinion is wrong. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, little, uh, little Shakespeare reference in, in the speech there. What's in a name? Uh, yep. Incredible. Um, I like that there's closure with Dobby. As much as I don't like her, I think it would have been wrong. She was such a big part of the show. It would have been wrong to just have no more Dobby. So I'm glad that we get that closure with her. Yeah, we get closure with Dobby and we get closure with um, Sophie. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I really enjoy this episode because I love Superhands. And... <laughs> oh, what's up? Okay. Esther doesn't seems to not like super hands. You don't like super hands so much. <laughs> I was just Sadie was just on her tablet and my Twitter is linked up to her tablet and it we got an alert and it said uh, she said why is there peep show on my tablet? So this morning has not been a good one for the girls peep show wise. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I just love super hands and I love that he. I, I just love everything about the wedding. I love the twins. I love team team hands going to burn down the village i'm very very fond of this episode so would you both like to take a guess at where i have put this on my oh top my oh my 57? gosh is this your number three it is my number three holy shit wow this is my third oh. favorite peep show episode of all time and i stand by it i think this is a great episode i was thinking this was going to be like down in the 20s but you're hard sell at the end like made me just decide to shoot high yeah no i really like this one um and i think yeah i think because we get that closure from dobby because of the 
the humour and the introspection from Jeremy, as Michael said, that we we haven't really seen before. It's kind of Jeremy as a character has grown, and I feel like I feel like this doesn't just move the plot on, but it also moves on our understanding of these people as people, and that's I like that, and it made me laugh a lot. Yeah, uh, Michael, do you have any closing thoughts about the episode? It's one of my favourites, and you do get the learning and growing, but much like the you know much like the greatest sitcom of all time Seinfeld it doesn't last and that's what makes this show um, so great <laughs> yeah it no hugging and learning is what they said about Seinfeld and um, when we, we we can't we can't have them being we can't have these these characters you know getting too sorted out otherwise really what's the yeah point? exactly you know yeah <laughs> they need to be victims of circumstance and need to be their own you know victims of their own (laughs) stupidity and uh, social social pressure all these things that that we kind of struggle against and never really beat just (laughs) really really quick one last little thing because i really need to go back to bed um but uh michael are there any tv shows that you're watching now that you want us to talk about uh i've been watching a few lately on netflix has got this new one um called uh afflicted which is about people who appear to have these like made-up illnesses it's really really interesting um and i really really recommend you watch oh that sounds interesting because i've just been diagnosed yeah, i've just who... been diagnosed with lupus and the amount of uh, uh, the amount of people i've told this and they're like what is that and it's like oh i don't really know myself it's really hard to explain so that sounds quite interesting this is totally mm-hmm. up yeah. my alley lupus is one of those things yeah so it, it's it's got people who who some of them appear to be very genuine. Like the, there's this guy who's got chronic fatigue syndrome, um, or ME, um, and that might have been caused by a disease that he did have. But then there's this woman who's who's like allergic to Wi-Fi, um, who appears to be um, nuts. Um, oh, you know, I did. And, oh, so it's the better um, call so was, Saul thing. Yeah. When I was a yes. when I was a student, I did a a study um, at King's College in London. Um, I did it because I was paid to do it. And it was like this sleep study and you had to go and sleep there. And they like fired mobile phone signal and like Wi-Fi signal into the room. And they wanted to, the study, it was like a four year study and I did it for about a year. And they were trying to see if Wi-Fi and mobile signal and stuff uh, fucks your sleep and just generally fucks you up. And the conclusion of the study was that it does not. Um, there's this woman who is um, claims to be allergic to mold, and so she lives out in a Californian desert because there's no mold there, and she's kind of got this boyfriend that just waits on it. They've all got someone who waits on them. They've all got someone who pays for all these sham treatments, and they're spending hundreds of thousands, millions in some cases, on these sham treatments. And I've got to the stage now where it's kind of revealing that they've all got they, – they all appear to have some undiagnosed mental problems, but they're all refusing to get treatment for them. <laughs> And it's like, aha. Oh, that sounds really yeah. interesting. Although I won't let my husband yeah. watch it because that's the sort of thing that he'll be like, oh, that's what's wrong with you. It's not lupus, it's just a <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> I'm actually, um, I'm, I'm actually going to go turn that on because that sounds really interesting. I wanted to recommend um, also on um, Netflix is Dark Tourist, which is... Uh, oh, I just um, started two watching things. that. I watched the yeah. first two episodes this week and I really enjoyed it. And on, there, on the Australian Netflix, there's... The, that guy David Farry, he has a documentary called Tickled, which is oh absolutely brilliant. Do you listen to the dollop? Oh no, no. I heard yes. about Tickled through the dollop. That 
Mm. Laura, this documentary is fucking involved. insane. He's involved in the dollop somehow. Yeah. What's it about? Um, so it is about competitive endurance tickling, which is where teams. Ah, uh, I have heard about where this. teams of men sit down and they tickle each other, and there, it was presented as a legitimate sport, but it was filmed in a softcore gay porn kind of way, and this, mm. um. Who's the Australian that was it? An Australian or he's from New, New no, Zealand. He's from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. David Ferrier is his name. But yeah. this New Zealander, this New Zealand reporter who just happens to be bisexual, uh, sent an email to this guy that runs the competitive endurance tickling and was like, "Hey, I just you know was wanting to do a news story about that." And this guy fired back this like super homophobic email to this this news reporter, yeah. and so this news reporter is like hmm, this is interesting. Like, why is this guy, you know, being such a homophobe to me when my sexual orientation has nothing to do with me doing my job? And so then that actually caused this reporter to dig, like, really deep into, like, the shady underbelly of competitive endurance tickling, and it is fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to say any more than that because the the, the sort of <laughs> revelations throughout it are just incredible. Laura, this was one of the most gripping documentaries I've ever watched. Like, just when you think, like, everything, you know exactly what's going on, like, more shit happens. Uh, I'm definitely going to watch this. And what's it called? Tickled. Ticklish, did you say? Tickled. Tickled. Yeah, okay. That sounds right up one of my husband's alley. We'll watch that. I, I also <laughs> um, recommend listening to the Dollop episode. It's like, I think it's like yeah. they're second or third episode uh, about oh, okay, it yeah. it's a good companion piece they actually quote the podcast uh, the that episode of the doll in that documentary uh, okay I'll, go, I'll listen to that as well i am um, i'll tell you what i wanted to recommend actually i don't know if you've seen it on netflix either of you is mind hunter have either of you watched it Mm-mm. really good it is no. um so it is based on the memoirs of the two FBI oh, agents who I did um, watch that. Yeah, this is really I, yeah, yeah, I did watch yeah. that actually. Yeah, it's really it's really good. I'm a bit behind the times. It came out last October, and the new series is due out within the next month or so. But um, it's excellent, really worth watching. Me and my husband were gripped. It's ten episodes, and it's based on um, it's based on the FBI's interactions with um, genuine American serial killers and their study in the behavioral sciences unit of the fbi in the 70s so yeah worth a watch all right well i am like tapping out right now you need to go back to bed yeah so uh michael we appreciate your patronage on patreon thank you so much um thank you so much for coming on no problem at all it was uh I've I've bought my way into fame and fortune by being on this podcast. Yeah, you might get like uh, tens of Twitter followers now. <laughs> well, let's see if Bart, good-looking Bart, uh, tweets us back. Yeah, that's uh, that's our first mission. Do you have a Do you have a Twitter uh, account that you want to throw out there for people that want to tweet at you? Yeah, let me just uh, look it up <laughs> because it has. Uh, I can't remember where the, where the underscores are. Oh, okay. No, it's just at gargling hounds. Um, if you if you want to know why it's that, uh, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> a tease. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> uh, um, can I make a ham-fisted segue? Sure. Uh, this, um, this won't this won't take long, and it, so this this will relate the podcast, Mitchell and Webb, and Canberra together. Okay. okay? So, on the podcast. You were talking about um, Bronte uh, a couple of a couple of episodes ago, and Laura 
Sean said he'd never heard of Wuthering Heights and you were really, really polite. You didn't say what I would have said, um, <laughs> which was like, yes, it's actually the greatest novel ever written in the English language. <laughs> um, so Jane Eyre is a, is a book by uh, one of the Bronte sisters and there's a movie of Jane Eyre starring Mia Wasikowska, who was from Canberra and she went to school in Canberra. Um, and uh, Jane Eyre um, was remade into Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, and then that film was um, uh, was adapted by um, uh, by Alfred Hitchcock in the only movie that he's ever won an Oscar for. Um, there's uh, a character in that called Mrs. Danvers, played by Judith Anderson, who's also Australian, and that character, Mrs. Danvers, was played by Robert, uh, played by Mark, in an episode of um, Mitchell and Webb Look. There you go. Interesting. Wow. Another <laughs> curious Bronte link. There you go. I have heard it's of Jane Eyre. Sense. I'm just throwing that. I, should, I love Jane Eyre. It's probably I should think book. so. I should think so, mate. Yeah. <laughs> it's my wife's favourite book. <laughs> ah, well, it's my favourite book too. Yeah. Yeah, but I, and mine, actually, I would say it's, it's definitely Oh, really? There. Yeah. I, right. I, so my dissertation was on um, the... It was on religious... I, uh, I can like religious icons and the use of allegory in the work of the Bronte sisters and it's yeah, a retelling so, of the it's the book of Job isn't yeah it? yeah so yeah. Jane Eyre was like one of the major things I focused on because of it mm. yeah as you say it's allegorical okay so. Angus <laughs> <laughs> my favorite book is Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows so fuck off <laughs> Yeah, and it's like he's not even saying that for effect, Michael. It completely is. <laughs> All right. Well, this is the El Dude Brothers podcast signing off. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, guys. That was great. During the recording of the show, we got a tangent about gay marriage. Originally, I was just going to edit it out, and it was just a kind of a private conversation that the three of us were having in the middle of recording the episode. But I found it really interesting and really insightful. So I wanted to go ahead and tack it on at the end of the show with Michael's permission. So if you want to hear this conversation, stay tuned after the credits. If not, you can stop listening now. Have a great day. I am in loco parentis. I am the last remaining contestant on The Apprentice. I am the home trained dentist. Uh, and I'll I'll edit this part out. This is just for my own like personal curiosity. Is gay marriage legal in Australia? Yes, it is. Yes. Okay. It, recent, we, we um, it was made legal um about this time last year. Yeah. Are and are you and Sam? Are you guys married or are you just? No, no, we're not okay. legally married. No. Okay. No, in, in Australia we we um uh the um laws for um common law spouses are really really good. Um, and so it really makes no difference whether you're legally married for pretty much every purpose now. Um, so the, the, whereas in the United States, um, common law okay, couples are, well. uh, don't have as many rights. Uh, yeah. So, um, there was a, uh, for various political reasons as well. And, and the fact that, um, gay couples weren't treated horribly by the law. It took a long time for us to get gay married. Is it something like that you as a as a mm-hmm. a gay couple 
do you feel weird about like because i've heard gay people here and i've got a couple of friends who said like it just they're not against it but it just feels like a kind of a bit odd because they didn't grow up thinking they'd ever get married and now it's like oh are you getting married and they, they've never they've had to completely reframe their thinking on it mm, yeah perhaps i think it's just um it's it's i i think yeah for me where it's like um uh where yeah i definitely felt that it's not something that i would that i would do well although in the back of your mind you're always thinking well eventually it will happen because lots of other countries we're getting it in sort of the early two, like in the, in Europe, we're getting it in the early two thousands. Mm. You're thinking, well, it'll happen in Australia eventually, and um, we've got a lot of gay um, politicians. Like we've always had a lot of gay politicians. We've we've always had a big gay. Like our most famous film is about a bunch of oh, gay of course, drag yeah. queens <laughs> um, touring Australia, and you know the the Sydney Mardi Gras is one of the biggest gay parties in the world, and the 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 our uh, chief minister is kind of like our mayor um, in Canberra is uh, is gay and our, we had a gay finance minister. We had a, the leader of the Greens was gay. Like there's a lot of gay politicians. So um, yeah, uh, it was just always it was always going to happen. Um, and then it happened, and like oh, radio <laughs> now yeah. so the gay couples are always are getting pressured to be legally married. Um, yeah, yeah. Whereas a, maybe the, it was an institution yeah. they weren't interested in. There was a a gay guy that I worked with at one of my jobs and him and his partner had been together for like 35, 40 years. And yeah, when marriage was legalized in uh, the U S they were like, Oh, I I mean, I guess we could get married. The the, the reason that, that a lot of people say is, is like the reason that, for example, they, they objected to um, uh, the civil partner thing like where you had the same thing as marriage like all the rights were the same but it had a different name is is that people kind of people know what marriage is people know this is a marriage certificate saying this person's married to this mm-hmm. person and i want to see them and they're in a coma mm-hmm. or whatever it is and if it's you've got a thing out that says a civil partnership people some people go oh, what the hell is this is this the same as a marriage Do they have the same rights I don't, I don't, you know but if it's marriage um then you know for every legal reason there's just no doubt at all and that's the like that's the most important thing about it. All the other things, having a dress-up party, um, i.e., a wedding, that's your business um, because the gay, gay people have always been allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think. I mean, I think it's just. It depends. Like you say, it just depends so much on the laws in your country. And if a civil partnership is, or if a, if just a common law relationship has has got decent rights, then why would you? You know, speaking as a female, the reason. Mm the only reason that I wanted to get married was because I, I knew I wanted to have children and, and that makes you vulnerable to for financial reasons, you know, and you don't want to be in a position where you've got no financial rights. If those problems aren't, you know, if those problems aren't going to come up in your relationship, then it's kind of a moot point, I think. I don't think so. Not, I mean, in Australia, when couples divorce here um, or if they separate and they're, they're in a common law um marriage de facto marriage then they're still um argued in the same court so um oh really yeah Yeah. see there's no there's no such thing as like de facto marriage here so Mm. if so if i if i were if my husband left me tomorrow and you know you're left with the children and stuff like there would be legal ramifications in terms of like Ah. he'd have to keep paying the mortgage or a percentage of the mortgage like he'd have to keep paying 
I'd be entitled to a percentage of his pension and things like that. Whereas if we weren't married, then I'd just be left high and dry, you know? So ah. it's, yeah, yeah. I would have no rights, despite the fact that you've got two children together. You don't, you don't have any rights. So it's, you know, it just makes sense. Interesting. You to be married, but you know, like I say, if those things aren't a, if those things are of no prominence in your relationship or you've got those same rights, common law, then why would you bother? Yeah, Nicole and I have a, uh, two friends that uh, we had just met about a year and a half ago. And, you know, in America, at one point in time, each state had their own, you know, laws on gay marriage. And so you know, they lived in Illinois where it was legal. They moved to Vermont where it was legal. And then they moved to Kentucky where it was illegal. And so it was just, you know, and then they moved to Kansas where it's obviously illegal because Kansas is a shithole. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it was interesting that every time they moved, they would have to do a new power of attorney. They had all this stuff that they had to do. And I was just thinking, you know, when they were telling my wife and I about that, that like, wow, that's really fucked because no matter where Nicole and I move, you know, everything is. You still marry. Yeah. yeah. That's mental. So you've not got gay marriage in your state? Well, we do now. Oh, you do now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. the United States is really big on states' rights. And. So at one point in time, it was up to each individual state to decide whether it was legal or not. And Kansas being a very conservative state, it was obviously illegal. We had a, we had a, a basically a defense of marriage act, which stated that marriage is between a man and a woman. Were the only marriages? Yeah. Oh, so I may end up uh, tacking this on to the end of the episode, like after, because I I thought this was kind of I thought this was kind of interesting. <laughs> John, people are going to disagree with a lot of the things that all of us have said in some way, and some, you know, um, and uh, yeah, hopefully that doesn't cause any problems. We've been saying. in trouble. We've been in trouble before. We've been in trouble. <laughs> again. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. the thing is, I'll tack this on after the uh, comments are over, after the song is, after the closing song. So if people don't want to listen to it, they don't have to listen to it. But I thought this, I personally, I thought this was very interesting, so it would be kind of a shame yeah. to just leave it in yeah. the ether. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but holy fuck, that was a tangent I did not think we were going to go <laughs> off on. <laughs>